The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Embarrassed to be a pharmacist in Ireland. This is what my next guest, Sheena Mitchell, a pharmacist and owner of Milltown Total Health Pharmacy, said in a letter, believe it or not, to Antishuk. Uh, such is her frustration with the crisis in our healthcare system. And Sheena is with me now. Good morning. Good morning, Pat. Okay, it's a very strong headline. Embarrassed to be a pharmacist. Why are you embarrassed? Yeah, so I suppose with the viral season kicking off in December, I took it upon myself to reflect on the situation and what could be different for our patients. Because in community pharmacy, we are in direct contact with our patients on a daily basis. And it became very apparent that they weren't able to access you know, quick and timely healthcare, And that's just not acceptable. OK, we know that GPs were overwhelmed by a demand for their services. Yeah. Um, you're not thinking of taking over the role of the GP, in other words, diagnostics, or are you? Absolutely not. There is a very clear, well, I'm going to say absolutely not, but actually I'm going to caveat that, that we actually do a lot of diagnostics in community pharmacy every single day. In fact, we do what I'm proposing um you know, on a daily basis with hundreds of interactions with patients, patient comes in. So I'll just explain, I suppose, the process of what I'm talking about, because I think it'll answer a few of your questions. What I'm saying is that patient comes into a pharmacy and we then have the option to advise, treat and refer them. At the moment, we can only treat them with over the counter medications and they have to pay for them privately. Okay, so what I'm so if I'm a GMS patient, yeah. uh, and I get all my drugs that are on prescription uh, free of charge or yeah. up to a, a whatever threshold. Um, but if you advise someone, well, you should be having those eye drops. Yeah, they have to pay. Exactly. So I actually would say that that's price discrimination. Right. Because in a healthcare system where GP access for many reasons, and I'm happy to discuss that in a minute, because this is not the fault of the GPs. This is the reality of the situation and their numbers. But why should a private patient be able, you know, by means of their financial um, ability to pay for accessible healthcare, but a medical patient, medical card patient cannot and therefore has to have a delay in their treatment. OK, so so let's just tease this out a little more. So a GMS patient goes in and you can see what's wrong. And, and by the way, we'll talk about the conditions that you can readily yeah. uh, re- recommend a medicine for. Uh, so you say, well, I think you need those eye drops. Let's take eye drops. Yeah. And but I can't give them to you FOC. Uh, and you can't afford them. So what you've got to do is go back to your doctor on the GMS. That doctor will then write a prescription and then that person will come back to you with that prescription and then you can give it to them FOC. So you've occupied the doctor's time. You've delayed the patient treatment. It is cumbersome. It's illogical. Yeah. So what I propose, and there's a few aspects of it, but what I propose is that I can then, on the medical card, provide the patient with the medication and it is covered on their medical card, which they are clearly entitled to, you know, as I suppose dictated by the state. So I don't see why we are discriminating between private and public patients in that way. Because they're going to get it anyway. They are. But only after that delay and yeah. another visit to the GP. And in a scenario where our GPs are overworked and overburdened, like according to themselves, they are experiencing a workflow and workload crisis. Only one in five GPs can take on a new medical card patient. Okay, so you have patients that can't actually even get a doctor, never mind get a medical card doctor. And only one in four doctors are able to take 
a private patient on. So you're saying to a patient, well, you're going to have to pay for it. I don't care that you can't afford it. Go to your doctor. But by the way, you can't have one of those either. So <laughs> you kind of go, hmm, something's a little bit broken here. Yeah. Now, um, people might think, I go to my pharmacist, I tell them I have a pain in my chest. They recommend blood pressure tablets or whatever. That's not, I hope, what you're all about. No, like we're not, you know, I suppose, reckless. We take our profession very seriously and we are healthcare professionals. And actually, you know, the what annoyed me in the response that I got back from the department, from uh, Stephen Donnelly's office, was that they go on to say that in Slauncher Care, um, the slowest moving health progression I've ever seen in my life, it says that pharmacy will play a vital role in future reform. It goes on to sing praises about pharmacists and say how they're optimally placed and how they acknowledge the evidence of international, you know, internationally and nationally for the evolution of an enhanced scope of practice. Yet they don't act. It's the lack of action. They say that they're considering proposals that the Irish Pharmacy Union, um, that I'm not active in, say, have been looking for since 2014. So, as I say, telling me you're considering the proposals. So next year will be the 10 year anniversary of these proposals. From what I can garner, the ambulance service have also been in talks for 10 years. I heard you earlier say to Graeme McQueen from the DAA, maybe it's time for the minister to get the finger out. And I'm perfectly happy (laughs) to throw that at Leo Varadkar and Stephen Donnelly today. Like, ultimately, we have a growing and ageing population. And actually, if you look at the stats of that, we've had a 7.6% increase in population since 2016. And the Department of of Health themselves have forecast that there's going to be a 59% increase in the number of over 65s, Okay, this They're people who have a higher need for acute and chronic medical management Mm. that our GPs need to be able to do. Okay, now talk to me about the kind of conditions that you think you could, uh, you know, diagnose, treat or ultimately, if you think it's very serious and needs further care, refer. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, We're talking about things like eczema, urinary urinary tract infections. And when I say urinary tract infections, I'm not talking about recurrent ongoing problems. I'm talking about an acute scenario where someone gets, you know, I suppose, a simple, straightforward case of a urinary tract infection. Things like conjunctivitis, um, also skin infections in children like impetigo. I'm actually doing a podcast on that this week. And um, just to give you an example, another radio presenter who I have met through my work in the media sent me a little message saying, Sheena, would you mind having a look at this rash? And it's just exactly what you said happened. I had a look at the rash. I told her it was impetigo. I told her what she'd need. I told her she'd have to go to the GP to get a medical care prescription or to get a prescription because the prescription item she was looking for was prescription only. She then messaged me back to say a day and a half later, I went to the doctor. I was in there for she timed it. I think it was two minutes and 40 seconds. And the doctor agreed with you, agreed like she told her what had happened and sent her on her way with the prescription. Like that's a waste of everyone's time. And a child missed two days school for no reason. So that's an example of how simple these conditions are. Irritable bowel syndrome, pain management, minor injuries, contraception service. Like it goes on. Think about minor acute conditions. We're not talking about managing chronic ongoing care. We're trying to make sure that the doctors have enough 
time to manage illness in a way that's more functional for the health service. Now, clearly, the Department of Health and the the Minister for Health will uh, use pharmacies when it suits, for example, for flu vaccinations and even some of the COVID vaccinations. Um, So do do, do you think it's a double standard applying to you that when they desperately need you, they respect you and when they don't desperately need you, they diss you? Yeah, and I think... What happened with the vaccines was really interesting. So in the letter that I got in response, they threw me a scrap. They said, don't forget now, we did do a little change to legislation to allow you to provide vaccines without prescription, as if we should be really grateful. And while we are grateful to be entitled to do our job, just want to point out that community pharmacies alone delivered 1.3 million COVID vaccines to date. This season, community pharmacies did 45% of all nasal children's flu vaccines and almost 30% of all adult flu vaccines. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, that, oh, aren't we great? What I'm saying is we are capable of doing it to a large extent and our patients are coming in their droves. From talking to my patients in Milltown Total Health Pharmacy and from speaking to all of my peers, like patients are eager to engage with the community pharmacy and they are using us when they are allowed. The proximity of the pharmacy, I mean, you've got some stats about uh, how close everyone in the country is on average to a pharmacy. Yeah, which is a really important thing to take note of when we're talking about the infrastructure. If you're talking about changing the health system, you don't want to be delayed with infrastructure changes that are essential. Like we know that 85% of GPs are situated in urban areas. So that means there's only 15% of the current shortage of GPs that are in rural areas. So there's an inequity in care there. Community pharmacies, 85% of people live within five kilometres of a community pharmacy. And actually, it's I think it's over 50% live within one kilometre. So you're talking yeah. a stroll down to your community pharmacy. Here's an example, a related matter. A few years ago, I got a scratch on my cornea after my dog pawed me. Very painful. Went to the opticians who suggested antibiotic drops, but she couldn't prescribe them. I'd have to go to my doctor. It was out of hours, so I rang West Dock and asked how much. They wanted €60, Euro, which I couldn't afford at the time, so I went without. Why couldn't an expert who knows more about the eyes than the doctor prescribe me a mild antibiotic eye drop? Yeah, and this is exactly it. And it comes down to the fact, like the Minister for Health states that he is dedicated to delivering the right care to the right in the right place to the right people in a timely manner to all citizens. And I argue that we're not delivering that. And that's wrong. It's ethically wrong. And it comes down to negligence when they're being given another option, a solution that could be implemented within a month. Uh, where do they do this elsewhere in the world? So in the UK, and I actually practised over there, I qualified in Scotland. And even though I'm a third generation Irish pharmacist, I practiced in Scotland and in 2006, I was able to give out antibiotic eye drops over the counter. Well, we were actually able to prescribe them there on the NHS um, to patients for conjunctivitis. It's expanded and expanded since then. If you look up pharmacy first, um, you'll see their whole, they have a whole huge resource of conditions that they treat. It's also the same in New Zealand and Canada. And it's just continuing to grow because realistically in the health service that's highly functional, we need everyone working yeah. to the best of their ability. So the, the whole idea is if you use this programme, which I think is a great name, Pharmacy First, uh, people who are within um, on average 
5k of a pharmacy but 50% within 1k of a pharmacy they pop into the pharmacy the pharmacist has a look at them and says yes I can give you something or no you've got to go see your doctor so you kind of triage and that is actually the word that the Irish Pharmacy Union are putting on it. And that's what they've been asking the government for, a triage system. Because in essence, you know, I think there's a lot of stats to show that 30% of the patients in the UK are actually given advice only. It's not that pharmacists are going to start like randomly handing out medications. We're ethically bound and we have a really strong, robust regulatory body. So another one is maybe a bit cynical. Is this not just a moneymaker for the pharmacies? Uh, pharmacies are not doctors. Interesting fact. GPs can, in fact, prescribe and dispense, dispense medicine. So we could cut out the other person. In other words, cut out the pharmacies and let the doctors supply the drugs. Well, I can tell you my day to day experiences is very lucky that we're a safeguard there, you know, and patients like I think that is an outlier of a comment. So I'm not going to focus on it because ultimately our patients do value us. You can see that from the flu statistics and the vaccination service. Ultimately, pharmacy are providing the services anyway. It's just that we're making people pay for it and we don't want to when the HSE should be. Uh, I always ask the pharmacist for advice as another, not my GP. Um, the pharmacist is more helpful than my GP. Uh, when I go to the GP, I pay 50 euro for nothing, according to that texture. Uh, not surprised at the pharmacy story. Under this minister, the health service is ridiculous. Nurses still waiting for their bonus, their pandemic bonus. I was told by a dentist in Waterford two weeks ago, no dentist in that city is taking medical card patients. I know someone who badly needs dentures. No one seems to give a damn. That's from Malcolm. Uh, One final caveat, I suppose, uh, and this is, uh, Sheena, to do with in a pharmacy, you will have to have a pharmacist. Yeah. But you often have pharmacy assistants who are not qualified to to do any kind of uh, dispensing of medicines. Yeah. And there might be a suspicion that you'd get the gifted amateur behind the counter who's not a qualified pharmacist doing this kind of dispensing. That is not the reality on the ground. And actually under the provision of any of any of these services, you know, a pharmacist has to be on the premises for the key to go in the door. OK, so there will always be a pharmacist there to help you with your query. Even lunchtime? <laughs> lunchtime? What's that? <laughs> Do you know how hard we've been working? Um, you know, so ultimately we are always there for our patients. I feel so passionately about this that I've spent a decade providing information online to parents to try and make healthcare more accessible. If we do not spend time and invest in making healthcare accessible, we are going to miss diagnosis. We are going to have patients who will not go to the GP because they can't afford to. And we will have a health system that is already forecast by our very own Department of Health to have a 46% rise in primary care needs in the next 15 years. If we do not act now, and I I really don't want, like, I feel like we shouldn't even still be having these conversations. Action is what's needed now. Yeah, Uh, I've often said it, I said it again this morning, apropos of uh, the Law Society coming up with a a legal fix that is needed. Uh, Why do we always insist on reinventing the wheel? Because we can look to other jurisdictions, see what works, what doesn't work and adopt the best. Absolutely. Um, some more texts. Uh, our pharmacist is more knowable than any doctor. I'm a nurse. I would talk to her first before ever going to a GP uh, who in any event will charge me 60 euro for a visit. I'm a nurse of 39 years. I can't give a Panadol without a doctor's prescription. That's from uh, Carmel. Uh, I got a prescription from a dentist for a gum infection. Why not uh, have this? And specialists do the same. That's from Evelyn. Well, doctors, uh, dentists rather, are dental surgeons. I mean, 
they have a medical background and, w- and equally the specialist is a doctor first. One thing I'd like to highlight just while I have the chance, Pat, because it kind of... The, the questions that you're reading out there, there's an awful lot of GP bashing that goes on in general. And that's forced because we've a privatised sector and people, of course, are resentful because money is tight and they want accessible healthcare. The GPs do an amazing job. And it's not a case that we know more than the GPs. Like, we're not saying that. We are experts in minor ailments and in medicines management you know, on prescription, we work very well with um, GPs to make sure that prescriptions and medication are safe for people. That's our job. Yes, we know more about over-the-counter products and I don't think any GP would argue with me about that. But GPs have clinical expertise that is absolutely essential for the management of ongoing chronic conditions. That is something we are not qualified to do. We need our GPs to be able to do their job. And as a result of them being able to do their job, the secondary care hospital system will not be so overburdened with people showing up there inappropriately. A final text, excellent interview with your pharmacist. Uh, they are an underutilised resource. Having lived in Scotland and availed of the minor ailment scheme in pharmacies there, Ireland needs to adopt uh, this kind of techniques. Sheena Mitchell, pharmacist and owner of Milltown Total Health Pharmacy. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Pat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.